Friday, June 28th at Hungry Brain in Chicago. It's our Pride Show and podcast recording. Music, drag, interview, comedy, panel, and Q&A. Sponsored by Rowan Tree Counseling. Get your tickets at wildandsublime.com or go to links in the show notes. It doesn't matter how long you've been engaged in sex and kink and connection or even a relationship. It's continuously flowing and changing and dynamic. Surprise can also create a sense of the erotic when you're surprised that you're turned on by something. You're surprised by some sort of sense of self-discovery. Yeah. It could even be like being surprised that you actually like something that is culturally acceptable. <laughs> Welcome to Wild and Sublime, a sexy spin on infotainment, no matter your preferences, orientation, or relationship style. Based on the popular live Chicago show, each week I'll chat about sex and relationships with citizens from the world of sex positivity. You'll hear meaningful conversation, dialogues that go deeper, and information that can help you become more free in your sexual expression. I'm sex educator Karen Yates. Today we dive deep into the erotic. What is it and how do we get more of it? Plus my sermon on the pubic mound. Keep listening. So I just finished uploading the creator notes for episode 14, How to Get Good at Sex, to our monthly members on Patreon. What are the creator notes? They're my weekly unedited thoughts on each podcast episode, and they're the newest benefit for Afterglow members, the wild and sublime community on Patreon. For as low as $5 a month, you'll also be able to ask our monthly panelists questions and get a bonus audio of that conversation and more. If you are a fan of this podcast, and if you want to keep our collective mojo going, I'd love it if you signed up on Patreon. Don't let the mojo die. If monthly is not your thing, you can also contribute to our PayPal tip jar. The links are in the show notes. Oh, it has been raining all day here in Chicago, and you will probably hear raindrops as I am recording because they are hitting the window pretty hard. Great update. I had my arm surgery not too long ago. It went very well, and uh, they are zipping me along. Two weeks later, I am now in physical therapy, and that has been kind of a wild ride. Today, I actually used scissors for the first time to open Sigrun's dog food bag. Progress. Still have another month ahead of me, but everything is uh, looking good. So there's that. I thought I'd be taking two weeks off of the podcast. But after a week, I thought, you know what, I just want to get back. I want to get back to doing this. So here we are. It'll be another shorter episode while I still get my sea legs back. But there you have it. So today eroticism. Erotic is a very interesting word because it has a certain meaning. It's not just about sexiness or arousal. There's sort of this added component. And so I thought I would look it up and tell you what the definition of erotic is. And it was pretty interesting because I went online and the first thing I see is relating to or tending to arouse sexual desire or excitement. And then they give similar words like titillating, salacious, pornographic, 
lewd, smutty, hardcore. Now, these words I do not even think of when I think of erotic, right? Then the, all the morality words, right? Like dirty, off-color, indecent, improper, filthy, vulgar, crude. And then all the way to naughty, which was actually a word that I banned in the fourth episode, I think. Body, earthy, and spicy. So finally, in looking around, I see something in Wikipedia, and I rather like this because it kind of takes a different angle. Eroticism is a quality that causes sexual feelings, as well as a philosophical contemplation concerning the aesthetics of sexual desire, sensuality, and romantic love. Ah, so you've got the you've got the body turn on thing, but then you've got the lofty thinking part too. Well, on that note, I will be giving it over to the panelists now. You'll be hearing more about the erotic uh, from our panelists from the 2019 show at Constellation. Chicago kinkster and coach Peter, aka Makes Things Happen. Sex-positive somatic psychotherapist Elmo Painter, and Jara Brown, sex and relationship columnist for Rebellious Magazine. So let's have all our panel join us now. So we are going to be discussing tonight what is the erotic and how do we find it? Is it more than porn? What is the erotic? What is erotic? Jira, we were talking on the phone, and you said there's something interesting about the word erotic. I did. Yes. <laughs> that it's, ne- like it's a nebulous word. Yeah. It's a nebulous I, word that not many, we don't know what it really means. Right. That is what I said. But also, I was thinking about the roots of the word erotic, which I should have looked up and didn't. But it comes from the Greek eros, one of the what, like five types of love? Like, there's different types of love, like agape and philia. There's others in there. Some are more like familial and agape is more selfless. And eros, the way the Greeks describe it, was the type of love that runs off of desire. Mm -hmm. So bring up your thing about the obstacle. Oh, right. So I've been reading this book, which I really love, by this guy named Jack Moran, and it's called The Erotic Mind. And first he talks about how attraction plus obstacle equals desire. But he talks about the four cornerstones of eroticism. And the first one is longing. The second is violating prohibitions, like taboos, appropriateness. The third is power or the lack of it. And the last one is overcoming our own ambivalence for wanting it. (laughs) so I mean I think one of the things he talked about that was so interesting to me is he talked about like it's a surprise sometimes when we stumble on our own eroticism right yeah I love the surprise part because sometimes when we find something erotic and it's a surprise and it's a new thing people like probably a lot of us in the room would be like oh oh okay there's that some people would find something and it could be something that could trigger some shame or some anger or, you know, a lot of confusion and things like that. But I think that there is, there can be a lot of excitement to the surprise and an excitement to like, 
I've never tried this before. This is really exciting. And it's, I can't believe it's turning me on this much. I think that's, about, that's the end of my thought. <laughs> And, yeah, and, what do you and, have and to it's say? really not just to, to continue. It's really not stagnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been officially kinky in my own head for seven years, and you know, three years into it, I was thinking, "Oh, I've done everything I can," and I quickly found out that's not true. And even more recently, when I first got into kink, I was thinking, "Well, pet play, which you know, your partner, you know, uh, wants to be a dog or a cat or something," and I discovered I was really into. I like my partner being a pet pig. And, you know, some people think that's a humiliation thing, and the way I enjoy it is more about taking care of the pig and being affectionate. And I had no idea that that would turn me on so much. And, you know, one of my key takeaways is that it doesn't matter how long you've been engaged in sex and kink and connection or even your relationship was continuously flowing and changing and, and just dynamic. Yeah. Do we need to break taboos to have the erotic feeling? Do there have to be taboos? It, it does help. <laughs> <laughs> well, thinking about surprise and obstacles on like sort of opposite sides of something something imaginary. I figured this out in school. We were reading a book that I really loved about Eros by Anne Carson. And she explained that like, for there to be desire, there always has to be something in the way of you achieving your goal. And as soon as desire gets met, then it stops being desire, mm. which is crazy. And I had this moment of crisis where I'm like, I'm never going to find the satisfying thing. And then eventually just got over and was like, but desire is pretty cool. So maybe it's okay to always be in this state of longing and occasionally find a climax. But <laughs> so you have desire. And for some of us, desire runs on these different taboos, and that's what creates that obstacle is the cultural conditioning or whatever it is. But then I think surprise can also create a sense of the erotic when you're surprised that you're turned on by something. You're surprised by some sort of sense of self-discovery. Yeah. It could even be like being surprised that you actually like something that is culturally acceptable. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I've had situations where my own surprise kind of spurs me on to, like, let's dig a little deeper here, right? Something you said reminded me, you know, we've talked on the show about long-term relationships, and it's like, when desire dies. (laughs) Sorry I say it like that, but I think about, like, these ideas of prohibition or creating obstacle can be a great way for, say, couples to reignite the relationship. Like, if you create an artificial, like, Morin in his book talks about like a time issue, like you have to be somewhere in 15 minutes and that's when you decide to do it. Or I think you were talking about role plays. Yeah, well, that was during the taboo part. We're talking about taboos and do we need taboos? And I was like, I mean, I'm not mad about taboos and playing with them. And if there is something that's taboo that maybe that stirs something in you that can be played with, like there's humiliation play, there's, you know, age play, there's something about these fantasies that wide culture says that's wrong, you shouldn't even think about that stuff, and to actually play with it and be like, I'm getting away with this. It just feels really good. Yeah, right. 
Did you have some answers? Yeah, I was going to actually kind of touch on both points where there needs to be an obstacle. I was just having this conversation the other day about every great Hollywood love story, there is an obstacle. In fact, you can go as far back as Shakespeare with Romeo and Juliet, where the families are fighting. You can go to when Harry met Sally. You can talk to about uh, Little Mermaid. <laughs> You know, there has to be some type of obstacle that needs to be overcome for the desire to be supercharged was the term that we used earlier. And after a while, when you've been in a relationship for a long time, those obstacles or those natural obstacles kind of go away. That's when you kind of go into the kink and you kind of do the, maybe the taboo type play or pet play and age play and just spanking <laughs> for that matter to kind of create additional obstacles as a team <laughs> right. to overcome. But part of it too, and we were talking about the senses earlier, Elmo, and then we talked about a little bit on this call that like part of it is just seeing that you have way more sensory choice than perhaps you thought you had. There's like way more to experience just in the body as is, I mean, you might not be a particularly kinky person, but like there might be like, wow, I've never even thought about temperature or types of touch, like scratching versus thuddy versus whatever. I mean, that can just be an exploration, right? Yeah, and I know people who can get either orgasm or get really close to orgasm by things like rubbing their feet in the grass, you know, mm. or like just really using sensory experiences and translating that pleasure to erotic pleasure. Right. Or just rubbing their feet. Just rubbing the feet, <laughs> yes, totally. of course, just rubbing the feet. So what are some tips you would give folks? I think one of you mentioned like fan fiction in erotica is great to read, just to like start thinking of ideas, right? Yeah, yeah, reading things. There's so much fan fiction out there about your favorite you know, stories, there's like Harry Potter fan fiction, there's Marvel fan fiction, and they're all these like erotic stories. And then there are books like Screw the Roses, Send Me the Thorns, and The Leather Daddy and the Femme by Carol Queen, and just these mountains and mountains of really beautiful erotic fiction where you can, if you're feeling curious about something, or if you're, you've heard something, and you're like, huh, follow that curiosity. Just follow your curiosity and find these specific places where you can read about it and explore it. Cool. When I was studying creative writing, I learned that story runs on conflict. You don't have an interesting story if there's not a conflict, mm. which is why I think we get these kinks and all these things because it creates a sense of conflict. But if you're living your best erotic life, it also means that you get to be in the middle of your own story and you get to decide what that is. And it, we were talking on the phone about being given permission. Give yourself permission to be your own like hero in the story and follow your erotic journey. And I think that what a lot of us like have to keep learning is that it doesn't have to be anybody else's erotic journey or anybody else's sense of sexuality or sensuality. And that's what's fun about the nebulousness of erotic. Like if it's flip-flops or sticking your feet in the sand or something, sometimes you just have to give yourself permission to just like fully embrace it. Yeah. For more info on Jera, Elmo, and Peter, go to our show notes. The rest of this live show was featured on the episode Anything That Moves, which we will also link to in the notes. 
For more thoughts on the erotic, you can also take a listen to our erotic creativity episode from a few months ago. It is quite an in-depth conversation and very good. The books mentioned here, Screw the Roses, Send Me the Thorns, Eros the Bittersweet by Anne Carson, and Jack Morin's The Erotic Mind are all at our affiliate store on Bookshop. Purchase there and help independent booksellers and Wild and Sublime. That link is in the show notes as well. Wild and Sublime is also sponsored in part by our Sublime supporter, Chicago-based Full Color Life Therapy. Therapy for all of you at fullcolorlifetherapy.com. If you would like to be a Sublime supporter, showcasing you and your business and supporting us at the same time, contact us at info at wildandsublime.com. And now it's time for my sermon on the pubic mound. This sermon was presented at the same show we just heard, July 2019 at Constellation in Chicago. Enjoy. So what is sex positivity? I have been thinking about it lately. For many folks, it's the idea that all consensual sexual activities are fundamentally healthy and that sexual pleasure and experimentation are positive things. So basically, it's about honoring my own sexuality, honoring your sexuality, but I don't think it stops there. As I've been thinking about it recently, sex positivity for me, is a lived experience. And for me, that is really an important idea to think about. As we grow, as we accumulate experience with partners, with ourselves sexually, our body of wisdom continues to grow in our minds, in our bodies. And this wisdom just keeps getting bigger. So tonight we talked about eroticism. Now, for some of you, I'm sure for many of you, a lot of new ideas popped into your head or memories. Memories might, oh my God, I remember that. I remember that really hot experience. I totally forgot about that. And perhaps you're going to feel empowered to tell someone, maybe a partner or a friend, and have a good chat about it. And it's funny because I actually did that this week. You know, we were all talking about this and I knew it was coming up. I started really thinking about where, how does the erotic play out in my life? And a memory burbled up and I shared it with someone and we had this great talk about it. And I felt a lot freer afterwards because I was seen and I was heard. And that person shared some stuff with me. And so when we give voice to our desires, something shifts inside of us. When we take actions, going beyond even the voicing it, taking action, we take action to be more fully who we are, that is hugely powerful and our whole world can shift. You know, if you told me that, you know, like five years ago that I was going to be hosting a sex show, I I wouldn't have laughed in your face because I could have seen that. But... The fact I would be talking about sex and talking about my sex life or your sex, I mean, it just was beyond the realm of possibility. But 
What got me from there to here was I took very small actions. Well, some actions were much bigger. And with each of these actions, especially the big ones, my worldview shifted. And sometimes like cataclysmically. Sometimes it was like who I was in the morning was not who I was when I went to bed that night because of something, an action I took. But then some actions, really tiny actions, shifted me very subtly over time. So that after like a year, I look back and I'm like, wow, I used to think that was really weird. Or I used to think that person was really weird. Or I used to feel a little bit shameful talking about this. Or I felt like kind of icky, like with this idea in my head. And I'm not feeling that way anymore. And that was an amazing experience. And I think I'm better for it. So I charge you to take a small action. Maybe it's showing up for someone, being an ally to someone who you think is sexually marginalized. Just being there for them. Really there. Maybe it is picking up some fan fiction, some erotica, you know? Maybe it's going to a a different website than you normally go to. Support who you are sexually. We've been talking about being your authentic sexual self. It's important. It's your vital self. No one else is going to do it for you. So, are you game? Yes. (laughs) All right, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who might be interested in this episode, send it to them. Do you like what you heard? Then give us a nice review on your podcast app. You can follow us on social media at Wild and Sublime and sign up for newsletters at wildandsublime.com. I'd like to thank associate producer Julia Williams and design guru Jean-Francois Gervais. Theme music by David Ben Porat. This episode was edited by the Creative Imposter Studios. Our media sponsor is Rebellious Magazine, Feminist Media at rebelliousmagazine.com.